0: The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, PO Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This
1: is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March Design broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. I It's a great blessing to be able to speak to you in this way. We want to thank you for listening in, and we want to thank our radio stations that allow us to continue to broadcast the message of salvation by grace alone. Our website is Bethlehempbc.org. That's Bethlehempbc.org. We would love to hear from you. You can reach me very easily at my email address. It's Tim at T-I-M-M c c o o l l a w dot com. That's Tim at L A W dot com. We invite you to come and worship with us any that you can at Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. We meet each Sunday morning at ten thirty, and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at six o'clock. And we enjoy worshiping the Lord in a very simple manner. I do want to make you aware of a special meeting that we will be having this week. February the 7th, Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We look forward to hosting Elder Ed Kirkpatrick from Texas. We'll have a special meeting on this first Wednesday night. It will be a joint service with Zion Primitive Baptist Church, where my brother, Elder Chris McCool, is the pastor. So we invite you to come and worship with us at the special meeting this Wednesday night, February the 7th at 6 o'clock. Also, just a reminder that you can check out the new small hymnal that we have released. It's a 78-hymn songbook we encourage you to check that out. It's at sozhymnal.org. We rejoice in the opportunity of being able to put together this wonderful little hymnal. There's a lot of local writers that have contributed to this hymn book, so I hope you'll check that out. Following this song, we'll hear a message from the Word of God. <laughs> Last week we began speaking about the basics when it comes to the basics of what we should understand and comprehend as God's children. I want to continue talking about that today. If you remember last week, we mentioned that the very first basic teaching and understanding that we need as children of God is the depravity of man, which means this. It's very simple. It means that man has no goodness within him outside of God giving him goodness. So if you just took man at his basic self, in his nature, without God touching him, intervening, going into his heart, or doing any work upon man, woman or child, then you have depravity. You have the absence of God, and that is reprehensible to God. That is the dead state of man in his nature. And God, of course said that he looked down upon mankind in Psalms 14 and Psalms 53. He says he looked down upon man and he saw that there was none that would approach God. There was none that would accept Christ. There was none that would come to God. There was none that would let him in their heart to save them. Man is dead in his sins. Ephesians, the second chapter of the first verse says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Something had to be done. In our deadness in order to cause us to be good, to cause us to be anything that God would look upon with favor. As Romans, the third chapter, we used that last week, talked about how the Apostle Paul invoked and embraced Psalms 14 and the Psalms from the Old Testament when he said in Romans 3 that there's none that doeth good. Their throat is an open grave grave. The poison of asp is upon their lips. He went on and painted this horrible picture of mankind without God. So, the idea that, well, there's a little bit of good in every man, that is not found in the scripture. There is no good in any man. Every one of them has gone astray. If we can't embrace that basic Bible teaching, then it would be impossible to embrace the glorious things that we're going to talk about today. That is the first fundamental basic teaching that we must have. And it's exactly what the apostles taught. It's exactly what Jesus taught. It's exactly the things that we read all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. You remember Jesus himself said, no man can come to me. So no man will come to God, neither can he come to God. So God had to come to his children. Now, as we consider the next subject in the basics, we want to talk about Acts the 20th, i call you back there to remind you of this. And I hope that you'll see from the Word of God just how much God loves you, how much He loves His children. In Acts the 20th chapter, we find the Apostle Paul rehearsing how he taught them the basics when he was at a particular location, and that was the city of Ephesus. And we don't need to miss this. This is so important because we might be tempted to say, oh, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe. It just matters that you're sincere. Not according to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says in Acts twenty and twenty that he kept back nothing that was profitable to the folks there at Ephesus. It says that he testified to them. Verse twenty one. He says in verse twenty seven. He says in verse twenty seven that he did not shun to declare the counsel of God to them. He declared all the counsel of God to them. It's very important. And then he comes on and he says in verse thirty two that he commended them to the word of the grace. He comes on and he says in verse. 35, that he showed them all things. So he gave them all the counsel of God. He showed them all things. He kept back nothing that was profitable. So we can safely say that the Apostle Paul didn't leave anything out. Now, interestingly, we know exactly the counsel of God that he taught them. We know exactly the profitable things that he gave to them. We know exactly what he preached to them and said, I've showed you all things. We can read in Ephesians, the first chapter. These are the things that he showed them. These are the first things that he showed them. Verse 4 of Ephesians 1, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, predestinated us unto the adoption of children. Verse 6 to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he, he made us accepted in the beloved. Notice it doesn't say that we accepted him, but it says that he made us accepted in Christ because of the work of Christ. And we have redemption verse 7 through his blood. And he goes on and says that we will obtain that inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, verse 11. You see, these are the things that the Apostle Paul shared. So the basics that I want to share with you, not only are the fact that we are depraved and in our sins, and we are in a dead condition without God acting upon us, but the beautiful part, the glorious part that we want to share is what God has done for us in spite of our dead condition. And not only were we dead, earlier in the book of Romans, it says that we were enemies to him. So think about that. We were enemies to God, and we were dead in our sins, and yet it says in Romans 8 and 28, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. O child of God, I have talked with people that have been going to church their whole life and have never heard a sermon on Romans 8 and 29. I've said that before on the radio. It's really sad that one has never heard this glorious, basic truth of the Scripture. Now, there are those that would say, well, that's not a basic, Brother Tim. It's one of those heady, high-minded, difficult things to understand. Oh, no, not according to Paul. Not according to his teachings to Ephesus and the other places, not just Ephesus, but all the other places where he taught. He taught them the basics and he did it for a long period of time. These are the basics. Do you realize that here in Romans 8, this is what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write to us to understand and know whenever we are dealing with the difficulties of life. And I want you to know that it's not trying to figure out where God is or what God is doing in those tragedies and difficulties, but it is calling us to look away to the blessed hope, the blessed expectation that we have in God because of the great love wherewith he loved us. And the first basic thing that he tells us The first thing that is given here that is working together for our good is that he foreknew us. Now listen very carefully. This is one of the basics. God loved you so much that he knew you in advance. And this foreknew is not just a general knowledge. It's not like, okay, well, I know there was a World War II many, many years ago, or a World War I, or some item of history Like, I would say, well, I know that because I've read it. No, this is a special knowledge. This says that he knew you before the world was even formed. He had special, loving knowledge of you. Is that not an encouraging thing to know if you've experienced a tragedy? And I've said many, many times, how often... Do you only hear Romans 8 and 28 when it comes to that tragedy? Well, we know God's working something through what's happened here, and that's not what this is teaching. God is calling our minds and our hearts away from what is happening because sometimes there's just no explanation for what has happened. It's just tragedy. Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation, tragedy, troubles, trials, but in me you have victory. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. This is how God has overcome the world for us. Before the world was formed, before the tragedy of this world came into place, before it started happening, the Lord had special knowledge of you, child of God. He had special knowledge of you, and he loved you. Before the troublesome world that this world turned into through Adam's fall, before all of those things began to happen, God before the world knew you. That ought to be something that we rejoice in. That's not something we need to be afraid of. And if someone has never heard that before, it brings me such great joy and pleasure to share this basic truth of the gospel that God in a special way has known you. And someone might say, oh, yes, Brother Tim, I believe he's known me. I believe he foreknew that I would choose him and that I would come to him and that I would love him and that I would do something for him, that I would move his direction. I'm sorry, but that's not what the scripture teaches. The scripture teaches, as we said last week, and as we have reiterated here today, that there's none good. He did not foreknow that you would come to him or I would come to him. He foreknew that we would not come to him, that we would not approach him, that we would not seek him out. He foresaw that we were dead. And so he had to initiate something. And that was initiated in the purpose of his love to glorify his own name and his glory that he had before the world was formed. He purposed to foreknow you in a special way. Oh, he already knew that you wouldn't come to him. He already knew you wouldn't accept him. He already knew that we wouldn't pray a sinner's prayer. He already knew that we wouldn't be baptized in his name to become his child. So what did he do? He foreknew us so that he could have us with him forever. See, child of God, it can only be that way if you understand the basics of that we are depraved and lost in our sins. It can only be one way, and it is this. God reached out and did something. If God had not reached out and done something, then nothing would have ever happened. No move by man or by us would have ever been made, and we would have been lost forever. But as Paul said gloriously in the book of Ephesians, as he reiterated to those children of God at Ephesus, what he had taught them in the basics For those three years that he was with them, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. What are those blessings? According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Oh, child of God, the only reason that we'll be holy and without blame before him in love one day is because he has placed his special love upon us as his children. And listen, this is not an exclusive group. This is not some tiny little group of people and they'll just be us four and no more in heaven. No, this is a people out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation, a people... Everywhere, throughout all of time, in every nation, God's got people everywhere. I heard a preacher put it this way one time, and I like it. Back whenever the days of the Iron Curtain were up, it's supposedly fallen these days, but God had a people behind the Iron Curtain. God had a people behind the Great Wall of China. God has a people in the dark recesses and jungles of Africa. How do you know that? Because he said so. He said, I got a people out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation. And Jesus says that he has a special love for those people. Jesus reiterates in John, the sixth chapter, that great sermon on the bread of life. He says in verse 37, all that the father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. When were those that the father gave given? It says they were given before the foundation of the world. He has chosen us in him and bestowed us as a people upon his son. He's given us as a gift to his son. And the son says, all that the father has gifted to me, they shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. This is the basics of the gospel. This is the message that nobody would come to him, so he came to them. And he says, for I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of my Father which has sent me. And this is the will of the Father, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And somebody who has come up not hearing the basics would say, but wait a minute. What if they don't choose him? What if they don't live right? What if they don't act right? What if they don't speak right? What if they don't think right? Well, then doesn't that mean that they won't come to him? (laughs) I'm so glad to give you the good news of the gospel that us coming to the Lord, as he describes right here, is not this voluntary action on our own part where we have to think right, do right, act right, speak right, do all these things right. No, this is because Jesus spoke right. Jesus acted right. Jesus said the right things. Jesus did the right things. He causes us to come to him. The psalmist said it like this, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. So when God's power comes to you, you will come to him. It's irresistible. That's irresistible grace. It's an irresistible work upon the heart of the child of God. It's the Father's will. Jesus says, That of all that the Father which has given me, I will lose nothing. But I will raise it up again at the last day. I love how many times he repeats that all throughout John, the sixth chapter. He says, all the Father giveth me shall come to me. He says, the Father's will, the Father's purpose is that of all that he has given me, I will lose nothing. Every one that the Father gave, every child of grace that was in the covenant before the foundation of the world that was gifted in love to the Son, he says, I won't lose a single one. And he says in verse 44, no man can come to me. Wait a minute. He says, they all shall come to me. But then he says, no man can come to me. What does that mean? It means this, that the only way we come to the Lord is he draws us to him. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him I've used the example for of the old bucket that goes down in the well. The water does not voluntarily come out of the well. The bucket draws the water out of the well. And the child of God does not voluntarily come to the Lord, but the Lord draws the child of God. And that's how we come to Him. And the Lord has made sure that this is going to happen. He made a covenant before the world was formed to make sure of that. And over and over again in the Scripture, the Lord Jesus says Of those that were given. He says, they will come to me. Here he says, all that are given shall come. He says, all that are given, I will lose nothing. He says, you can't come except me drawing you to me. And then over in John 17, in that great prayer that he prayed the day before he went to the cross, he says in verse 2, as thou hast given him, Jesus, power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life. To who? To as many as thou hast given him. O child of God. Do you understand this basic teaching of Scripture? Do you understand this basic truth of the gospel and something that God wants us to know when we are dealing with the tragedies of life? He wants us to know it when we're rejoicing, when times are good. He especially wants us to know when times are bad and we're struggling. He says that God has foreknown you. These are the things that are working together for good to them that love him. Well, who loves him? Because we've already seen that no man in his nature, no man, woman, or child in nature who is a descendant from Adam will love him naturally because the natural things are of nature and the spiritual things are of God. So they've got to have a spiritual change, and that comes from God. So the only way we love him is because he causes us to love him. In not there a verse of scripture over in First John that says this? We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. You see, it all circles back around to God, and it all adds up to this one thing, all glory to God. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, if any man glory within himself, we don't need to pay attention to that, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So if you've never heard these truths, you can at least say this, well, it gives all God the glory. If God does the choosing, if God does the foreknowing, if God did the sacrificing, if God was the one that lived right in order to get it done, it does add up to one thing, and that is this. All glory to the Lord. Look over in Hebrews, the second chapter, in verse 13. This is a beautiful passage that I think about a lot, and I envision in my mind a picture of Jesus Christ coming into heaven with all of these that were given before the foundation of the world. All these children that God and his covenant gave before the world was even here. And notice what Jesus says. Behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Can you picture that in your mind? The end of time, Jesus coming victoriously into heaven with the host that's so innumerable as the sands of the sea and as the stars of the sky spread out behind him. He at the head come walking in the pearly gates as we envision it, coming down the streets of gold with his hands stretched out, saying to his father, Behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Oh, do you think there will be one missing because they didn't do it right, or they didn't persevere, or they didn't pray enough or hold on the way, or they didn't make a decision for him? Can you imagine the disappointment that would be there if Jesus could only say, Oh, Father, behold, I and the few children that did what they were supposed to do to become my children. There would only be a handful of people there if that was the case, but because that's not the case, because the basics of the scripture teaches that no man would come to him or accept him or pray to him or do anything in a move towards him, but God did it all. He finished our salvation. He did the work himself because of that basic teaching then we read this and rejoice and say, there's Jesus standing there with his hands outstretched and without one single child of God missing. These are the basics. Romans 8 and 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. What things? To them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. God set his special love upon you, child of grace, in the covenant of redemption that was entered into before there was a tragic world here ruined by the fall of Adam. And God wants us to know that truth, that you are special to him. His children are special. They are his treasure. And God has purposed in his own word, in his own mind, in his own character, that not one single one of those children will be lost. Tragedy can't take them away. Fire can't take them away. Trouble and tribulation can't take them away. And by the way, just go read the rest of Romans the 8th chapter because he names over anything that could take them away. And he says, in conclusion, that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because of us? No, because Jesus is who he is. These are the basics. May we rejoice in them. We don't come to him. He comes to us. We don't love him first. He first loves us. May God be praised for the great love wherewith he loved us and for setting his love on us and for knowing a vast number of people before the world was even formed.
0: been listening to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write to the March to Zion broadcast, PO Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama 35447. Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located seven miles east of Gordo and 10 miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 1030 a.m., and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace.